salty dude in the first yeah. place. This isn't going to be on air. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, on episode 15 of Beer Life uh, with Jordan Foss, which is me, um, if you haven't been following along to date, uh, I have uh, Cody and Clay from Twin Sales. Welcome to the program. Nice. Is this where we start talking? Yes. <laughs> this is where I get your mic levels because I'm not that prepared. Yeah, and you guys perfect. are both soft talkers, which is nice. Yeah, we are. You'd think that you'd be loud talkers. You're always trying to talk over each other, but I guess that's not the case. No, it's a twin thing. We can actually hear each other. Cody and I can understand each other pretty well when we're soft talking, but our wives especially can't understand a word we're saying when we get together. It's pretty funny. Well, that's good. Okay. Uh, who's the favorite out of both of you, would you say? Uh, me, clearly. Yeah? Yes. Uh, this is Clay, by the way. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, can you uh, <laughs> Clay is definitely, talking right now? Should I precurse every sentence with yeah, this is Clay? This is Clay? Yeah. Clay is definitely his wife's favorite. Definitely is. And uh, have you always been the favorite, Clay? Uh, well, my parents have been telling that since I was about six, yeah. Really? Yeah. They actually tell you that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, they tell me too, actually. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Do you guys have other siblings? Yeah. Two sisters, a uh, stepbrother, and a stepsister. Oh, wow. Okay. Are your sisters older or younger or uh, on either side? The Our two oldest sisters are, and then are yeah, eight years and two years older than us, and then we have two younger step-siblings, yeah. Holy shit. Okay. And how come they're not involved? Are they upset with you? <laughs> uh, we kind of, like, blast it all over the globe, to be honest. My uh, one sister's been living in Toronto for a long time. She actually just recently moved down to California. My other sister lives on the Sunshine Coast, and then my other step-siblings live down in California as well. Okay, right on. Yeah. yeah, you're not like the Mills family where everybody's involved. No. <laughs> Except for Brooke. Brooke Mills is the oldest and she's the best. And she's involved. <laughs> yeah, they're all very supportive, but unfortunately they're not uh, regionally yeah. able to help out. Who is the most popular growing up? Between us? Yeah. Oh, Cody, for sure. How come? Uh, I like to play video games a lot, so I stay at home most of the time. Ah, so yeah. who's, is that why you're smarter than him? Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we both have our strengths. <laughs> um, I can't remember who I had on the podcast, but um, when you and I went out for lunch, um, I was like, I was like halfway through a conversation. I'm like, I'm the fucking dumb one at this table right now. And then, uh, um, that was Matt Leslie. I listened to that. Yeah, last did you? Night, okay, yeah. Way. I was like, oh man, I got to brush up on my uh, on my my education and my logistical knowledge. Um, so you're smarter. You're more popular, and this is terrible radio because I'm pointing at them and you can't see yeah. it. Um, you pointed at me both times, actually. Yeah, right? <laughs> this is Clay. Uh, that's Clay. Um, <laughs> hey, do you guys remember when you made German beer? Uh, barely. It's a uh, faint memory in what, my mind at this point. Why did yes. you go that route? How come um, you didn't talk to me first about it? No, it, it was good back then. Back then, I would have been like, fuck, you know do what? it, man. You know what? We came in here, and your Rogan Weizen That's right. was the that. reason we made a Rogan Weizen, because I loved it so much. Yeah, we have yeah. some right now. I think it's been on the shelf for six No, it's <laughs> in all fairness. Somebody it. called BC Beer Me. <laughs> no, we've got it dialed in now. Like, And it's funny, because that's our like one of our favorite beers here, which is why we yeah. keep making it. And uh, But I remember... Um, uh, I remember, I remember, like we made it the first year and it was super popular, and we're like, okay, we'll make we'll make twice as much the next year, and we just started to distribute in uh, the interior. Yeah, and I was going up through Kelowna uh, for whatever reason, and um, I can't remember why. And then I pop in this liquor store, and I'm like trying to find. Actually, I was trying to find some like sparkling wine or prosecco or something like that. And then I'm like, oh, like this is not a very good store for craft beer. I'm like, there's no one really here. Except for my Rogan Weizen. And I could see it on the shelf by itself. I'm like, oh, fuck. And this isn't our interior rep that we have now. He's great. So, Corey, don't worry. Um, and, uh, and then I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, well, you know, it's not too bad. Um, you know, I think we'd released it a couple months earlier. So I go to grab it, and then I realized it was from the year previous. 
and it's okay. It'll squeak all the time up there. We're in a brewery. It's fine. People, people on the on the program understand that it's not a professional atmosphere. That there's always noise. Um, That's what makes it craft, right? Exactly. So the uh, that was the last year that we made a double batch of Rogan Bison, and now we hit yeah. it perfectly. Brian dials his shit in pretty good. He knows what's up. So I think we only do thirty heck of it, and it's in and out. So so sure. I'll give you two bottles before you go. Perfect. So you tried Rogan Bison, and you're like, this is something that we should do. Yeah, so like I, I had been home brewing uh, for a couple of years at this point, and I, I really enjoyed making German beer. I yeah. think that it took a lot of skill. It was something that I found challenging. That's probably why I gravitated towards it. And then when we were looking for a brewer, we interviewed a few guys, and, and Dave Bridger, our yeah. first head brewer, uh, actually did a, I don't know if it was an internship or something, but he actually worked in Germany at a brewery for a few months. Uh, yeah, he went to part of his, his program with, with Siebel. Yeah. yeah, and so he, he was kind of inspired by the German stuff, and it's kind of what he wanted to do, so it was a good fit for us Yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know, making beer that we wanted to drink at the time. Uh, and that, that's, I guess, why we went in that direction. You know, we didn't have a ton of insight into what was going to sell. That wasn't really what our concern was at the time. No. It was more so making beer that we enjoyed and thought yeah. other people would enjoy, uh, which... Is, well, and I think in the, or those, yeah. even when you guys first, <laughs> but even when you guys first started making German beer, like, I think it did, like, at the beginning, people seemed to really dig it, right? Like, I was talking, I know we just talked about before I pressed record, but I was talking to Ryan Craig at, uh, from Tap and Barrel, uh, last week, and we were talking about beer styles that surprisingly sell well during their off season, right? And yep. he was saying that like your guys is when you guys launched your Hefeweizen, it was like in February or something like that, or that's when he got access to it, anyways. And he was like, it was one of my best selling beers, and he's like, in the winter, right? So, what made you guys decide? Like, when did it become apparent that making German beer wasn't going to be the way? of the future for you like well, what happened the funny thing was it was actually one day me dave and our other brewer ryan voigt uh were sitting around um and they they'd been following a lot of what was going on in the states a lot of the stuff on the east coast and you know the hazy craze was starting to take hold down there and and they approached me about wanting to do something a little bit different than german beer because i mean in all reality german beer is a little bit boring because you're so constricted so yeah. to the style style guidelines right so they wanted to do something that was a little bit more of a creative outlet for them so you know we were a little hesitant at first and and uh you know, the first one we ever launched was Daybling, and, and they they talked about doing that. It had, we had no intention of stopping brewing German beer until we saw how well Daybling sold. Right. You know, I mean, we, we I'm sure you've seen this now that you guys are making IPAs. Like the the craze that people get over that style of beer is absolutely insane. You it's, know, it's, it's it's hops. People just want hops. It's infuriating. <laughs> but like I, yeah, you so. know, and, and but I I mean I get it. I guess like I, I remember I was at. Um, I was at Fomer's Folly, actually. It was a friend of mine. It was his, uh, he lives out that way, and he's having a baby shower, something like that. So all us guys got together and went out for a beer. And I'd never been to Fomer's before, and I'm in the line, and, and the guy in front of me is like, do you have anything hazy? And the guy behind the bar is like, oh, no, we, we don't right now. He's like, oh. And then I could see, like, it took him a moment to be like, fuck, well, what, if I don't have anything hazy, like, what else can I, <laughs> what else can I drink? And meanwhile, like, Fomer's Folly has, like, 15 fucking beers on tap, yeah, right? Yeah, like, exactly. you can choose anything. And, um, and then when I was at Coast Mountain um, Brewing uh, a couple weeks ago um, I was sitting there having a beer and, and I was listening to the two guys behind me And they were like two older white guys like, And when I say older Because like, I feel like I'm an older white guy But they were like in their <laughs> 60s old 
And uh, I'm like, oh, I, I was trying to figure out like what they were going to order. And both of them were like, oh, just what, give me whatever's hazy to the other guy. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. But That's then wild. I look at my, my own, like my wife, Alyssa, like she's always been a pretty good like supporter and like just drinks what I bring home. She likes Rogan Weizen. It's her favorite beer. <laughs> yeah. And But now like when I bring beer home, she's like, oh, I'll just have, if you have like a hazy IPA, I'll just drink that. And so like, it's obviously something that we all enjoy. And yeah. so it's just fucking crazy that it happened that fast. Yeah, I think one of the the big eye opening moments for us was when we were I was sitting in Earls one time, and and we have we have our beer on a few of the local Earls as their local tap, which is is great. You know, it's a great partnership for us. But uh, you know, I was sitting in Earls. Your life time. brought to you by Earls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Earls sponsored by Earls. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we were sitting there in a booth, and this booth behind us that was like full of these younger pretty girls that you normally would expect would be ordering a Bellini or something like that. Yeah. And they all ordered a round of Datchuses and they're really? all yeah. super excited about this hazy pale ale that they have. Yeah. And I'm like, this is mind blowing. Like this is not even close to the target demographic they were expecting for the style of beer. And, yeah. and I was like, wow, it's pretty cool to see how broad this, this style of beer can get. Well, and um, I think you guys have, um, um, done a good job with that beer. Also, it's kind of like, it's been a gateway beer for a lot of people to get into, you know, that are exploring a hazy category, like customers out there, because it's readily available everywhere. Um, and it has a cool name. And, <laughs> but it, but, and you think, I know you laugh, right? But like, yeah. you think about it, like, oh, I was, we did a dinner at the McKenzie Room, and, uh, which was fucking awesome. Uh, and I love this spot. It's, yeah. yeah, it's one of my favorite restaurants. It's great. And, um, so you never know what you're, who you're going to end up with at these beer pairing dinners, right? So because it's at the McKenzie Room, Eric and I, our, our brewer, obviously wanted to go and our, our beer rep, Anthony. And then we're sitting at the table and this, this, there was like a group of college kids beside me. And first of all, I'm like, how do these people have all this money to go to the McKenzie Room for this dinner <laughs> if they're in college? And, uh, and then, um, but they were talking about, I can't remember what hazy beer we brought, but they were talking about hazy beer. And they were talking about like, oh yeah, well, when I look for a hazy beer, I just grab... Dat juice because I like saying it. it's a cool name. Like, fucking guys, right? Like that. You know, can, when you named it, were you guys like, ah, this is gonna crush it? We can. I, I'm not even kidding you. When we were coming up with that name, it was literally a joke because we wanted to see old people order dat juice. Right. Like, yes. We thought it was gonna be hilarious. It like, oh satiric. man, we had no idea at the time it was gonna be a core beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. The intent was just to get a laugh out of it. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we do is you know because it makes us laugh. Yeah. You know, naming our beers, it's like we want. Some something that's kind of comical where we don't take our lives seriously. We don't take our beer seriously. You know, it's like we, we do something because we love doing it. And, yeah. and it's, that's kind of you know our intent with the, the naming. Yeah. Well, we always like over here, we always, I took a, take your guys' names and then I'm like, we should make a beer, but like do it the actual, like we're like, we should just call it this juice. Right. <laughs> and, and, um, or make a uh, a uh, non milkshake IPA called One Straw for those that like drinking alone. And, like, oh my God. and so you're welcome, by the way. So you can use those. Um, you guys should make a non hazy pale and just call it this juice. Yeah. And it just I don't know, but yeah, you guys have done a good job with your naming, uh, and it always makes me you know laugh a little bit. And some of it hits close to home, and and some of it I don't understand at all. Like, okay, explain to me the vaporwave can. Yeah, I know there's got to be something that I don't understand with the statue head on it. 
So it's it's the the statue head on the on the can is just it's an iconic image um, from uh, one of the most well known vaporwave songs like genre songs. Okay, which was Macintosh something I can't remember the exact name of it, but the the design was it was done by myself and my old head brewer Dave. Um, and Dave was, he just wanted to call a beer vaporwave because he had heard of the genre of music and thought was it was, really it. it was cool. Yeah. And it was kind of, it's kind of like funky elevator music, you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and so he, uh, he, we brought up all these images of, of like, uh, music videos and, and album covers and all this. And we kind of created a, a design for the label out of that. And, okay, sweet. and one of the things we kept seeing was these Roman statue heads. Interesting. Yeah. I'll look at it with new light now. Yeah, yeah. There's so many people Googling vaporwave right now. Trying to music in the genre. Uh, and when I say so many people, I mean my parents and yeah. uh, whoever else is listening to this. So I don't think my parents listen to it because I don't know if they know how to podcast. But you know who listens to it is our original brewer, Pete. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, who moved off the grid, yet he still podcasts. Like, I love that. Podcasting. I actually talked to a couple people at our anniversary party that said they listened to this. So Oh, good. Yeah, you know, I did those people. Yeah, well, I can see the downloads, and uh, we get a decent amount of downloads. I'm pretty sure it's all industry people, and there's so many of us now that it makes sense. But, um, but yeah, I was, even su- I was actually surprised. Um, so you've decided to go this different direction uh, with, with Hazy Beer, and it was like this aha moment. Was there a time where you're like, well, maybe we can do both, or you're just like, fuck it, we just need to go all in, or or not? At well, all? F- funny enough, if you, our was it our first anniversary or second anniversary when we released the hop? That was the first anniversary. First anniversary, so we had a be- release a beer called One for our first anniversary, and yeah. it was a Hoffenweizen, right? And it was supposed to be like this transition between us kind of doing both Great. things from being all German and now because we had released, I think. Uh, Space Armadillo by then, Datchus, and maybe even Conmeche, I can't remember. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> it was kind of a transition for us beer. Like, you know, here's a Hoffenweizen, and it's a hoppy German beer. Yeah. And it didn't even sell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, shortly after that, that, we essentially just converted Stop. to a full. And then, like, yeah, yeah full, same thing. Our Rogan just sat, or Weizenbach yeah. was sitting, and everyone was just reaching for those white yeah. can releases. And we're like, okay, well, that's what we it's do. time to just flip the switch here. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, you talk about, like, okay, well, I, I'm... Uh, sitting where I sit, I know that the thought that would go into that, like, okay, well, let's make this beer that's German and hoppy so we can show people this transition. But I always feel like we're so involved internally in this that people don't think about it that way. Like, your customers don't think about it that way. They don't look at that and be like, oh, this is because they're trying to tell us that they're they're transitioning, (laughs) right? They're like, I don't want a hoppy Hefeweizen. And then they move along. And we do that. I do that all the fucking time where I'm like, I'm trying to make all these decisions to tell a story behind the scenes. And then someone will be like, nobody cares, man. Like, no one knows, right? I'm like, oh, okay, you're right. Okay, so maybe I don't have to think about it so much. And and so when you've you've, you've, um, basically flipped the switch, like you said, and then was it right away that Dat Juice, like I know that you guys, Dat Juice is, is outsells, it's probably, how much of your production is it right now? 40%, right? 40, 45%. Which is pretty big. Yeah. And did was that like immediate that that was the one or the front runner? Or were you guys like, oh, okay, well, let's do Dat Juice, let's do this one. Like, I don't even know outside of Dat Juice if you guys even had other flagships. Like, how did you kind of come to this natural progression to where you are today on based on on beer decisions yeah for us it was tough because it was really between Dayblink and dad juice we knew right. we wanted to keep one pale ale around just for like you know your marquee beer that you're going to sell to restaurants and have around all the time yeah uh and so we kind of tossed that idea around between Dayblink and dad juice for a while and i think we had brewed a couple of batches of each and the response from people for dad juice probably like you said a lot because of the name yeah 
uh, was a lot stronger. So yeah. that's kind of where we went was in that direction. Um, yeah, I, I, we, none of us saw this coming to be completely honest. Yeah. Like, you know, we were hoping it was going to be popular, but not this popular. It's been nuts. Uh, in terms of the cores, it's tough because like we, we try to put out a core IPA uh, single whammy, but it essentially competes with our own brands on shelves. Yeah. You know, it's, it's actually funny enough out of all our beer, our IPAs we've done probably done the best at award shows than anything right. else. It won uh, bronze. I think last year, the BC beer awards, uh, we got our results back from the BC boards this year. This, yeah. it was the only IPA we made that actually made it into the final mini best, best of show. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, did it? do anything else you can't even remember it took an award in the interior as well yeah one festival. of the festivals yeah, yeah. It, it's it's been our most steady one and we think it's our best ipa but yeah. you know it's it's by far our worst selling core beer because yeah. nobody nobody reaches for it. they reach for our our uh our, our limited releases so yeah um you know we're looking at changing that up too we don't really know what direction we're going to go but we think there's going to be another direction there and then we have uh our summer and winter seasonals which is the wood crush and yeah. leche Right. Okay. So con leche is, is, is for all winter. Okay. That's, yeah. 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 It's funny how like you, you play that. We talk about it all the time. Like we're shifting our flagship lineup a little bit and like debating like how much do we, how much, like, do you really need that many? Right. Like it makes life a lot easier like to plan, but, um, but it's been the first time where we've started to think now that we have this full-time IPA like that. Yeah. We're going to compete with ourselves with it. If we continue to, um, yeah. you know, and it's funny, like we just, I mean, this will air a few weeks after we're having this conversation, but like we launched shiny things yesterday and, uh, I had a guy on Instagram, uh, message me. He's like, Oh, this beer's fucking great. That's awesome. Hey, are you guys going to continue to do limited IPAs? And I was like, Oh, I never really like, I mean, eventually <laughs> yes, but not for the next few months while we try and make sure this takes hold, but they're definitely two different markets, right? Like I suspect that like the person that buys your limiteds probably still buys Dat Juice as their like go to, um, or probably orders it on draft more often than not. Yeah. But like, I feel like they're different people altogether, right? There are the, the <laughs> folks that just want whatever the new twin sales is. And and do you guys find that you fight that? That it's hard to to do? You think that that might be why it might be hard to get traction for other beers? Is because you've created this this like what's new, what's next kind of. Um, Big time. I mean, it's, it's been a bit of a struggle almost for us because, you know, we want to start moving towards more of like focusing on producing really good core brands. Um, but you know, it's always, it's always production driven, you know, like if our core brands aren't selling, well, we need to fill tank space. So it ends up being limited releases and limited releases, you know, make our core sales go down, which like again, slows. So it's this constant battle of like where you put your efforts and where do you put your time to like really drive these sales. But at the end of the day, I mean, the, the cores that we want to focus on are always doing well and we're happy about that. And I think having that, like you were saying with the two different markets, like we have that consumer who goes to a restaurant and has our beer on tap and sees in the liquor store. The next time he's going to his friend's house for a party, he's not the guy that spends a 20 minutes sitting in front of the craft beer fridges. He's the guy who just wants to grab something and go. Yeah. And I think that's really where our, our core brand like dad juice is like been doing or succeeding really well in the market is is that consumer whereas you have that that really adventurous craft beer drinker that wants to try the new thing yeah and you're right it's it's a very different demographic but i think you know if a guy walks into a a, a 
beer store and their selection's not great and that juice is on the shelf, he's gonna pick it you know, up. He's gonna pick it up. So yeah. I mean, it's not like we're not selling beer to those guys. I think they're just a lot more willing to grab the other option too. Yeah, and I think it's. I mean, it's been difficult. Like I know. I mean, obviously we're we're transitioning a little bit as well, and I think we hit two different, entirely different markets with our beer. Like the SNO brand. Like we. I mean, that's you know goes to BCL. It goes. We. I mean, it's still our. You know, we move the most of those of Royal City Ale and Red Pilsner, but like they're not guys like us picking those beers up, right? It's a different crowd. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's then the industry changes so fast and what people want that it's almost hard to like put a ton of effort behind a core brand because you don't know if it's going to be relevant, you know, <laughs> in, in, in a year or two, right? Big and um, so you're like, okay, well, I could put all this effort in um, and push it and make sure it's on everywhere. And then the, the customer is going to tell me that they don't care about that anymore and they want something different, right? And so it's, I know we struggle with it where I'm like, well, what, what is like, so I always get asked like, oh, what does the lineup look like five years from now? I have no fucking idea. I do not know what it's going to look like five years from now, right? I think Hazy will still be around. I don't think Hazy's going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. Like it, we, we've been trying to, you know, figure out the direction the market's going in right now because obviously people aren't as crazed about that new release all the time like it's just you know there's too many new releases to keep up with and yeah i think people's wallets are getting a little bit tighter with the economics definitely. right now so there's definitely a situation where we're trying to figure out where we should point the ship right yeah. now and and you know a lot of it comes to you know we've got some pretty fun like really experimental developmental stuff that's going on with some of our other brands and and trying to focus our efforts into into again trying to trying to like change the market a little bit and like get get people interested in in beer in a different way yeah so yeah it's it's going to be an interesting 2020 that's for sure yeah, it will be for us too like i i we have this conversation all the time like we're going to do less limited releases next year for sure and i don't know what's going to happen like if i mean i i'm assuming that we're just gonna have to run a tighter operation because yeah. those limited releases you know they're easy to sell but like you said they they definitely take away from the beers that we're really, really proud of because people just want what's what's new sometimes. So it's like, okay, how do you direct them back to grabbing simple things or now shiny things or one of the S&O cans? And you almost have to like take the hit for like a year to be like, okay, let's just strip this back. We know we might not sell as much beer, but at least we can sell it properly and build the base back up again so that we can have a you know an actual business that runs properly rather than trying to get Eric to come up with a new IPA every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know that feeling. Yeah, well, I mean, fuck, you guys know way more than I do. Yeah, yeah we've been doing it for a year now, and it's fucking, it's infuriating. And it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It is tough, right? And it's, it's also tough to be like, I mean, I'm always proud of the beer we put out, but like, I can't keep track sometimes. And even from like a social media point of view, like I run our social media, it's so hard for me to tell a story because I'm like, fuck, what do I talk, like, I got so much stuff to talk about that you, it almost like it's hard to direct anybody to anything because there's just yeah, everything, yeah. right? You know? <clears throat> yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been tough for sure. I mean, like we we love the creative aspect of being able to put out that yeah. many beers, but the logistical, you know, concept of it is 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 a bit of a nightmare. I mean, we're constantly brewing a beer for the first time. So we like we you know we look at something like that juice where we've had two years to really hone that in yeah. thing into like exactly where we want it like consistency's there we've got you know been able to like hand select our hops for that beer now so we know the hop profiles exactly how we want it uh, we've dialed in the malt recipe like we've spent a lot of time making that beer exactly how we want it and and 
you look at all of our, our one-off stuff, we're, it's the first time we've made it yeah. for, for the most part. And, and it's tough to really nail something the first time. And like, there's so many beers that we brewed where we think to ourselves, man, if we could brew this again, it would be so much better. Yeah. And we've started doing that. I mean, we brought back some of our like one-off beers, like we put out cash only again, like a few other beers this, in the last year or two where, where we're like, let's go revisit that beer yeah. and like see if we can improve on it and make it a little bit better. And do you guys and, find that people care as much the second time around? <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we. I mean, we're this is the first year where we've like taken our year in 2020 and been like, let's plan it out. We know it's going to change, but like let's put it on paper right now so that we have an idea of like what this could look like, right? And we go through the list. We're like, should we bring that back? Should we bring that back? Should we bring that back? And we're like, I don't know. I you know, it's weird because, and, and you guys don't deal in the bomber market, but in the bomber market, you can bring stuff back and it sells just as well to a point. Right, like I'm not making a hundred hectoliters of a bomber beer. Yeah. Um, but like, I, we're, we were talking about Martin yesterday, and like, we did sixty hack last year. And we'll do sixty hack again, and we did sixty hack the year before. And it's like, it's almost like the bomber market is a different market altogether. That's consistent. Where they're yeah. like, oh, I remember that beer. I really liked it. I'll pick a bomber up. Right. Whereas the can game is diff- is a totally different animal. Right. Yeah. And different consumers for sure. Yeah. Unless you're Yellow Dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but. I don't know how he does it. It really blows my mind. Mike, I know, yeah. and he's so frustrating because he's so unlikable. And, <laughs> and no, I'm joking. He knows that. Like but like, it's it's like I just and you know I've had Mike on and like we're buddies. He's probably gonna text me when he hears this. But like, I just feel like he lucked into a lot <laughs> into a lot of it. But I say that, and he's such he is actually a really smart dude. Oh, he's and, very intelligent. And Liam's a great brewer, obviously, yeah. and like. The one thing I like about Mike, um, and there's only one thing. No, I like a lot of things about you, Mike. Um, is that he knows where he's going. Oh, like yeah. He has, like I often feel like, you know, I, I spend, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, are we doing the right thing? Should we do this? Whereas like Mike has like a plan. Like oh, he's, he's got a 10 year plan. Does is very calculated. Right. And so, and then you see it and you're like, sometimes he'll make a decision. I'm like, I don't know why he did that. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I see stacks on stacks of it everywhere. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and he, yeah, he just fucking knocks it out of the park. It's infuriating. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of things about that brewery though, is, is just so appealing to the mass market. Of it people is. In this province, yeah. you know, like having that dog icon as your logo is just so approachable to a lot of dog lovers and pet pet lovers in, in general yeah. and it's it's his branding is very i see more of his merch all over this oh, province than anybody's it's crazy and, and it's consistent right yeah. and i think like part of our problem and 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 your, i i know it's your guys's problem too because i see it and i like it is like i'm design centric i like i like cool design yeah. and i know you guys do too so it's like it's kind of like a fun opportunity to create art on a can and be like oh that looks really cool i'm really happy with that Whereas Mike's like always been like, fuck that. I'm just, we're putting the yellow dog on it and that's what's happening. And even their limited releases are very, like they're very on brand. Like you can tell it's yellow dog Big from time. a mile away. And, um, yeah. Oh, I don't want them to, this is going to have to be sponsored by yellow dog. <laughs> sponsored by Earl's and yellow dog. Do- yeah. Right. They're the ones with all the money. Pretty so, sure yellow dogs on tab at Earl's. So. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. But you know, I mean, not to like, though, I think that the, the one thing that, that Mike and the team at yellow dogs done really, really well is they make, the beer's really good. Yeah. The beer also appeals to, like, if Playdead's on tap, I'm going to order it. You know, like, I mean, unless it's, like, at Alibi or somewhere where there's lots of other selection. But, like, they've been able to go after those places, especially with draft lines, where you're like, oh, I wonder if they have craft beer on tap. And then they've got, like, Playdead. 
or, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'll definitely have that. And our softball league in New West, it's so frustrating because, like, hey, come on, we're New West Brewery. Come on, buy our beer. They all drink Yellow Dog on the other teams. <laughs> and, like, we bring beer to the games to give to the other team. And I always just make them feel guilty about it. I'm like, I know you already bought Yellow Dog, but here's some free steel and oak. You're welcome. And um, really pick laying it, up, it, on pick it up next time, please. They're like, I just really like this West Coast IPA. I'm like, you're the one person that still likes a West Coast IPA. Like all the people that still like West Coast IPA just buy Yellow Dog. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Right? Yeah. And good for them. I mean, it's a good beer. So, um, okay, moving on. So talking about like, you know, the logistical issues, would you guys say that's your biggest challenge right now at Twin Sales is trying to manage logistics based on all the beer styles or yeah, the production planning is, is yeah. very tough. Like we're constantly rewriting and re changing our, our schedule. In fact, I, I have to do that when I get back to the brew today because our entire December is going to change. Really? Yeah. So it, it's tough. Yeah. We're constantly doing that. Like, and, and we know we don't publicly advertise as much as we used to, but you know, we, we take a lot of pride in the beer we put out and we dump a lot of beer. In fact, yeah. we dump more than we like to dump. And, and we had to dump two batches of beer this month that, you know, just didn't work out. And yeah. we're going to rebrew them at yeah. the end of the month. But that means the entire schedule is going to change to account for those brews. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a tough thing to deal with. And to Cody's point, when you're doing something for the first time, you don't yeah. always hit it out of the park. Well, especially and, when it's like heavily hopped too, right? You can yeah. get some like, it's, yeah, this shit happens, right? Yeah. Or it seems like it's going to go south and then it, it does just fine, right? Yeah. 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 And, and it, we're dealing with a live thing and it's especially with... You know, like, you know, something you've never done before, you don't know how long that yeast is going to take. You don't yeah. know if that beer is going to need an extra week in the conditioning tank. You don't know these things. And, and when you're dealing with that constantly on your schedule, it's so hard to account for those variables. So yeah. you end up rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. Like, we've probably gone through, like, a two packs of whiteboard markers a month just trying to rewrite our Re- schedules. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny because we make so many loggers that... It's like it doesn't. It almost doesn't phase me as much because I'm like, it doesn't take six weeks. Great, let's do it. <laughs> and then, uh, and they're like, it's getting another week in the tank. I'm like, it's not six weeks, so whatever, right? Like, and it's uh, you know, and and it's funny. Like we look at like, well, okay, what is our? We don't have any space in in the brewery anymore, but we're not at 100 percent capacity yet. Like from from a, a brewing point of view, so we're like, okay, well, what is the best version of like steel and oak from a capacity point of view, and how does that wrestle with? what is the steel and oak that we want to portray to everybody, right? And yeah. and so it's like, oh, well, we definitely need to ditch a lager that we make all year round um, because long-term that's not going to make sense. And um, But I was like, I, I also realized, like, we definitely, like, we rarely, will <laughs> everything gets four to six, four or six weeks, right? Like, even the IPAs, we'll, we used to hold them for another week because we liked the way they tasted five weeks in. It was, like, perfect, 100%, right? Yeah. And then... I was talking to uh, somebody, uh, I will not name who, and they're like, yeah, I've got this beer down to like eight days. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, eight what? days. And 10, 10, uh, 10, 10 days to the shelf. I'm like, that's fucking bonkers. And um, I haven't tried the beer. I have no idea what it tastes like. But, um, but it just isn't even in, in the realm. And then I'm like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, wow, we could do twice as, no, twice as much out of it. But like, you could, you know, you could, in theory, do twice as much beer if we just had the right lineup. Not even pushing things out in ten days, but just removing all the loggers, right? You know. Well, loggers make it tough. That was. Yeah, know. but they're all. I we like drinking loggers here, so I mean yeah. that's why we do it. We're like the only guys that still like drinking. No, loggers coming back. We were talking about earlier. It's making a comeback. Oh, <laughs> Crispy yeah, boys. Totally. I probably, probably drink up. more low life at a brewery than I do anything else because well, I can drink five of them in a day. <laughs> and we talk about this all the time. Like industry people generally will drink pills near a logger because yeah. we drink enough that that it. It 
tastes good and it's refreshing. It's also kind of how you judge a brewery too, I find, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were out at uh, Fooders United a couple of years ago, the festival that Dunham put on right, and, yeah. uh, in Quebec. And uh, it was pretty hilarious while we were there. Like they conveniently allowed us to drink while we were pouring, which was oh, that's great. <laughs> pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, all the brewers, it was like a big circle and, and it was a kind of the brewer space in the middle there. Yeah. And everybody just kept running up to all the breweries that had loggers and just drain yeah. their taps yeah. nobody else was drinking them it was just all the brew teams just running over oh, yeah. and filling their glasses those Ildegard yeah. are unbelievable yeah, yeah it's, Ildegard <laughs> is unbelievable it's definitely like an, it's an industry thing like I remember Farmhouse Fest two years ago there was like the um, uh, Johnny and Dave reached out and they're like hey can we we want simple things we're just going to put on a secret tap and just tell the industry people about it and anybody that was from the industry that was there were like, oh, I'm just drinking this Pilsner. I was drinking it. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> everybody was, right? And um, which was pretty rad because like I'd rather just industry people drink our beer, especially at that event too. Like the guys from Holy Mountain were up and everything. Like, oh, yeah, that's, that's our beer, right? And, like, oh, yeah. it's fucking great. And, and then last year, I think they had like an actual lager bar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they recognized that like, you know, oh, well, we're probably going to move just as much of this, right? For at least for the industry folk. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, what would you guys say is the biggest negative result that you've had from do, going this direction, like, you know, from a customer point of view? Like, and it, like, you know, with having rotating beers and so many releases, would you say that there's like a, been a big, outside of, you know, not having as much traction as you'd like to, to make some core beers, but what would you say when you... You know, when you go out there and you're like, oh, we have a lot of beers right now. Is that the, the main negative point, do you think? That it's just trying to keep, you've already got those shelf placements. So I guess, you know, not to talk for you, but like I would be like, oh, I want to keep that space. So I have to continually brew into keeping that space once that's gone. Um, it, it, would you say it's just a, a shelf management point of view or, or? Yeah, I mean, that's a big part of our sales meetings is like, strategically strategically planning where product is going to go yeah. to make sure that people aren't getting overloaded and like we put a lot of limits on on accounts to make sure that they're not taking too much product yeah you know I, the last thing we want to do is see product rot on shelves and and we're pretty active about our, our sales team do reports on on liquor store accounts on a weekly basis yeah to make sure that we check dates we check how much inventory they have and, and st if stuff's not moving we actively make sure that it gets moved before it gets stale and, yeah. and a lot of the beer that we produce is isn't, isn't the most shelf stable style of beer, so it's it's one of the things that's really important to us about that is is just making sure we're product, and that's been a big big struggle. Is like when we put out eight new beers in a month, you know, yeah. we're sitting there and like strategically planning. Okay, these, go. these three will go to these guys, and these three will go to these guys, and these two will go to these guys, and to make sure that we're not overloading one account because you know we've walked into some stores where they've got eight different SKUs of ours yeah. and it's great to see a full shelf space or two stacks of our yeah. beer but it's also not a great thing no yeah so trying to mitigate that and really like focus on on strategically uh, moving our product to the right spaces is is one of the biggest struggles as well you know equally as tough as as the production side of things yeah. you know yeah you guys have had a um how many people do you have working at twin sales just uh 20 27 27 yeah and if you guys and on the brew team, it always seems like you guys have a lot of people on the brew team. How many people are on your, the brew team? Uh, we have is it four on the floor, and then one person. I should know this. Do you have the some? <laughs> one, somebody manages the barrel program. And uh, yeah, so we have a couple guys who oversee our barrel program, and then uh, we have a lab manager, a head brewer, and then yeah, uh, is it 
two guys who brew full time. And three guys, yeah. Oh, three. I guess if we're counting Eli as well. Yeah, Eli's barrel. And so, and then you guys have I've seen kind of are putting more focus <clears throat> on the barrel program. And was that always kind of the plan that just took time to to come to fruition? Or for sure, I think it took a lot of time for the market to catch up. You know, I think yeah. uh, there wasn't a lot of interest in sour beer and wild beer. You know two years ago you know yeah. everyone was so ipa focused you put out a sour beer what the heck is this yeah you know, i mean you know i think people started putting on like kettle sours and some tank sours and okay these sours are pretty good and then you, you sort of build a palate for it i guess and and we've found over the last you know 12 months i guess since we started putting them out they're slowly starting to increase in sales yeah. and there's, there's room in the market for a bit more of that style of beer you know you see guys like Fieldhouse focusing a lot on it now and you know Il Sauvage over on the island, Wild Ambition, like, you know, House of Funk, obviously. And yeah. and, and these guys are, are having success, and, and you can kind of see room for that. And, and I'm hoping it grows because the beer we like making, it, it's very creative forward and you, you high risk, obviously. You have no idea what's going to no, happen yeah. in those barrels. But, yeah, it's a, it's fun. It's a good project to, to well, for us. And I think it just rounds out the brewery nicely as well, where you're like, yeah, yeah. we do this, but we can also do this as well, right? And it's just finding, I know for us, we always struggle with, like, our barrel program's taking a bit of a hit just because we had to add so many tanks so we had to move the barrels across the to the second warehouse and then we kind of just forgot about it like it's just hard <laughs> right to like in the day-to-day like you're especially during the summer you're so busy and then we're like oh we need to uh pay attention to to this and we've got a guy now that uh elijah that's taking care of our, our barrel program for us so hopefully we'll be able to your barrel guy's name is elijah elijah yeah oh, we got an eli oh really there yeah. you go <laughs> and uh and it must be something with that and um but he um which is good because we have oak in our name, so it seems silly that we wouldn't have a, a proper barrel program. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, it's just something that we definitely want to add to. It's just trying to find that magic number of how much to produce and to put in those 500 mil bottles or whatever it is so that it doesn't sit kicking around for, for a long period of time, right? Yeah, I mean, the one nice thing about that style of beer, too, though, is is it can sit. It can sit, You yeah. know, and, like, that's the comforting thing for us is, like, even if this takes a little bit of time to take hold on the market, at least we know that if we make it, it's not going to spoil in, in three months like yeah. a lot of our IPAs and pale ales do, you know? Yeah. We, we can have it sit on a shelf for six months to a year, and some people even value that even more. I mean, I personally wouldn't hold on to it that long, but, yeah. but you know, a lot of people age their bottles, so whether we sell it for them or they sell it, yeah. it's been sellered. for sure for sure uh we're gonna take a quick break i'm gonna hit save so that we can get a beer and not lose all this um and then we'll be right back and i'm gonna figure out how to magically edit this together so it sounds nice on the other end is there any brewery in bc that knows what they're doing no is there is there any brewery in bc that you can think of where the person who opened it had like an extensive knowledge in craft beer. Like I can't even really think about one. No, because like, I don't think it. It now. Hopefully, this is not going to be shoddy editing because I uh, <laughs> hit save. But whatever, we'll figure. Hey, you guys will figure it out. Listenership, it'll be okay. <laughs> We're just talking about like how this podcast has been. Uh, at least the industry feedback that I get has been um, really positive based on the fact that I think a lot of us are all going through the same shit right now. And so when you hear it from other people that you probably respect in the industry, you're like, oh, that's great. I'm glad that Twin Sales is going through the same thing that I'm going through. But I don't think there is anybody that had had craft beer experience before that I know of because I know when well, we I started, we Kev, Kev, Kevin at Coast Mountain. Yeah, because yeah. he worked at Mission Springs. Yeah. And then he was, I can't remember where he was before that. But I think you probably get a lot of guys that um, that work at other, Chloe Smith worked at, um, her, both her and Cedric had right. worked in a brewery. Yeah. Um, so I think you probably get people that worked at breweries. I guess backcountry as well. 
Um, yeah, they they got a pretty pretty solid crew of uh, of yeah they've got experience, industry yeah. vets like Mark Roberts had been around forever right yeah, and yeah. John, which is funny because he looks the same <laughs> Mark looks the exact same no, Mark he, doesn't, he age. doesn't age he came out that way yeah <laughs> it's because he doesn't have it's because I think he, I I don't know if he has um, I shouldn't talk shot Mark because you probably listen but he definitely doesn't have kids and uh, so he's got nothing like I woke up at five thirty this morning because the one year old started to cry and then so my wife went and grabbed him. And then brought him into our bed, and she's like, I don't think he woke Jude up. And then all of a sudden, I can hear these little pitter-patter of feet. I'm like, fuck, we woke Jude up. <laughs> and then Jude comes in, and of course, he's fired up. And like, because it's, he's like, is it morning yet? Is it morning yet? He always does this. He's like, my wife on Christmas. And he's like, is it morning yet? Is it morning? I'm like, it's not morning. We need to sleep. And then there's four of us in a queen bed. And I'm like, this is why people get king size beds. Like, we always talked about, like, king size bed. you got a king size bed. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So, king size and, bed, you, and you have three kids. kids. Yeah. So, the, um, the, my wife and I were always like, oh, and this is going to make people puke, but we we're like, oh, we like a queen size bed because then we can touch and, you know, we're always kind of beside each other. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> and uh, like, I always have trouble sleeping when I'm on the road um, in like, I'll get a king size bed when I stay in a hotel. I'm like, oh, this is weird. It's too much space for me. But now that the two kids come in, I'm like, we need to get a king size bed. We yeah. definitely need to. So we will definitely be doing that. <laughs> Smart move. Yeah. Yeah. We will be doing that. Um, what were we talking about before? Before we went on that rant, uh, I, I we were talking was about just industry, industry experience. Oh, if anybody had had industry experience, so I don't think so. I know, like, I don't know. I mean, you guys opened. What year was it? Two thousand fifteen. Fifteen, right? And so we yeah. opened the doors in twenty fourteen. And I know when we started the process in late twenty twelve, we didn't have anybody to reach out to. Like, we didn't have anybody. Like, people now have. I mean, I take uh, meetings. You know, well, I don't take them anymore, really, because it's. A lot of time, but I'll take phone calls monthly from people being like, "Hey, I'm looking to open a brewery," and I'll, I'll be like, "Don't do it." And uh, <laughs> and then, but they'll they'll call and I'm and I'm like, "There's so much wealth of knowledge now because you know all of us have fucked this up for five years." So like now we're like, "This is what you do not do." I know that now. Yeah. I do not make Rogan Bison. And there's only room for one Rogan Bison in this industry, and it's mine. And um, but the um, you know there's a wealth of knowledge. Whereas like when we started, like. We didn't have anybody. I had I had yeah. Lee at Bridge because Bridge Brewing had opened for a year, and yeah. but it was a totally different model because she was just in the closet basically in North Van, and I think maybe I reached out to Dave from Powell. A Hamish was at Red Truck, and so I met him at the Canadian Brewing Awards. So like, I talked to him and Chester Carey from yeah. Brewery Creek, right? But like Chester hadn't opened a brewery before, and like I, like we hired a consultant for the first month and they were like this guy doesn't know what he's doing either and it wasn't until we hired our brewer pete and we brought him on six months early where he's like oh this is what we should do and then he set it up for like big german beer which obviously is not what we do now so yeah, like, oh perfect. man we should have done this differently but, <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean we we were picking the brains of of yellow dog who'd been open for i think five six months when we took the space over yeah and then and then uh moody ales who again had literally when we took our space they hadn't even opened yet they opened right. like a couple of weeks later right so we yeah. had these two people that really had very little experience in yeah. the industry to this at this point and uh, you know that's who we went to for advice. But nowadays, like you were saying, yeah, like, there's so many people to reach out to these days. To if you could kick somebody off Brewers Row, who would it be? No, answer that question. We're all uh, Dog, hundred percent. Mike, hate <laughs> <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Tell him to take the bakery with him. <laughs> uh, no, I mean we we love all those guys. I don't think uh, I don't think Brewers Row would be Brewers Row without 
every single one of those guys on there. So. No, I agree. It's it's. I think, and I also think that everybody's beer styles are uniquely different. It's actually worked really well. Yeah, it has. yeah, like it's, it really it's has. Yeah. yeah, and I know that. Like, I mean, I, I, you know, people. It's great to have that destination spot, right? And I feel like people start with. Do they start with you guys or do they end with you guys? Well, it's it's true. What I think you talked about with, with Adam Crandall, he says everybody throws up at Moody Ales, Moody Ales or Twin Sales. Yeah, yeah, because we, we end up with the the bookends, and yeah. so we had our anniversary party on Saturday, and on this beer we're drinking right now, actually, fifteen percent. We were yeah, people were tasty. putting those back, and yeah. Uh, we really felt bad for Moody Ailes that night. I bet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Adam Crandall was telling me, I don't think it was on the air, about like the um, the equipment he has to clean the bathrooms out. And I'm like, that's crazy, man. And I was sitting here with somebody else. I can't remember who I was meeting with, but was talking about like how people just like, and there was somebody on the row. Fuck, I can't remember now. But anyways, talking about how like, how disrespectful the bathrooms end up. And I'm like, here at Steel and Oak, like, it's like, it's the same crew, right? Like, it's just yeah. locals a lot of the time. On the weekends, we get people in from Vancouver for sure. But, like, they all take really good care of the place. And, like, I just don't have, like, a hazmat suit that Adam has to deal with the bathrooms, right? <laughs> yeah. So You know what's funny is our toilet paper handles keep getting ripped off because uh, people try to use them to help themselves stand up at the end oh, of the night. And they just shit. rip off the wall. Yeah. I you think know, our, our taster managers replace them every two weeks, it seems. Yeah. Days. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, and there's always, like, I mean, I think the pros outweigh the cons for sure. Like, I've gone down there on a Tuesday. And I've been like, fuck, it's packed here on a Tuesday. I don't want to check the cameras to see what Steel and Oak looks like on a Tuesday. <laughs> um, so you wouldn't kick every, anybody off. That's okay. No. Yeah. I think Parkside's the one that gets the big, they, cause they're right in the middle. They got that big patio. They probably spot, just yeah. print money. Yeah. Those guys. Uh, somebody was telling me actually, and I don't remember who was talking to. Uh, so this is a terrible story, but um, <laughs> that Parkside is actually their best draft account for, uh, for the guest app. <laughs> so they're like they get put on the Parkside guest app, and it's oh, their yeah. best draft account. When we when we had our uh, put the cider on top or not on top in bottles to start, we were one of that cidery's biggest accounts. Yeah, you know we were moving six seven cases a week. Yeah, uh, you know they don't even have liquor stores that move that much quantities. No. So no. yeah, it was pretty funny that uh, that uh, getting a tap on on Brewers Row is one of the best taps yeah. you can get in the lower Manhattan. Yeah, well I know the bakery <laughs> the bakery put our Simple Things Pilsner on. I was like, this is awesome. I think it's the only permanent Simple Things tap I have. You know and. <laughs> Uh, but it was great. They were flying through it because everybody had this sour What'd beer. What did you pay for that tap, yeah. by the way? Yeah, right. <laughs> I had to give Adam a massage. Actually, I promised oh, that Adam that we'd go terrible. to a, uh, we'd, we'd go on a spa date together, and he keeps bringing it up. But uh, we haven't done it yet. So, uh, anyway. <laughs> um, so where, to, to get more philosophical, where do you think uh, beer in BC is right now? Do you think it's in a super positive space? Where do you think there can be improvements? You know, do you think that most people are doing it right? Or do you think that there's, um, that there's people that are fucking it up for everybody or honestly, like I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've been in the, the bar industry for a long time. I spent, uh, the better part of my twenties working in hospitality. Um, and, uh, I've seen these kind of trends in the, in the, um, the beverage industries, what's popular, what's trending, that kind of thing. And for a long time, when I first got into it, you know, we were making cosmopolitans and vodka sodas. Like that was, right. that was, that was bartending 101. And, and then all of a sudden that, that cocktail craze kind of hit in the early, early like 2010s area. And, uh, you know, you couldn't find a bar that didn't sell an old fashioned in the growing, yeah. you know, and, and all these cocktail bars started popping up around town. And that was like the big thing for a long time. And then, and then came along craft beer and that craft beer killed 
the yeah. cocktail industry. Like in, in all honesty, like you start seeing more beer bars pop yeah. up and all of a sudden there's 50, 50 tap restaurants everywhere and, and uh, craft beer on every single store in every single store. And, and now in all honesty, like uh, the way I see the beverages are going is people are looking for that low calorie option. Yeah. And, and like, I think the biggest detriment to this industry right now is definitely that, that RTD market that, you know, yeah. again, is there's a hundred of them on the shelves now, you know, yeah. every, single, every single week I see a new white can vodka soda product and I'm like, really? Oh, this is the exact same thing. There's not even variation. I mean, they're all, they're all exactly the same in my mind. And, and it's just like, just buy a bottle of vodka and some soda cans. Like, yeah. It's the same thing. Well, and that's why I like, so simple things comes in that white box. And yeah. I always try and get shelf placement beside those just in case somebody <laughs> takes it by accident. So, here we go. He's going to make sure you put the calorie content on the box. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. It's, it's, a, it's a Vancouver thing. People are very health conscious yeah. in the city. And, and I think I understand why people are leaning towards that direction. But it's been tough, especially in the retail markets, to compete with those RTA yeah. cans because it's taking your shelf space. I mean, I walk into some stores now and there's two full coolers of, oh. of RTDs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, and those um, used to, like, one of those coolers used to be a craft beer cooler. So. BCL, right? Like, like, I mean, the BCLs alone, like we, I was at the symposium and they were, you know, um, Dimitri, the buyer for, for, for craft beer and refreshment Bev, mm-hmm. you know, it's just saying like how much market they're taking from everybody, right? Like you think yeah. they're taking from beer. Imagine owning like a craft, like cidery right now, oh. like, you know, like somebody that doesn't deal in, in, you know, a malt beverage, right? Like, yeah. you know, you get crushed, right? Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, I think I honestly, I think it's not going to last. Like, you know, no, I agree. The RT brands, like, they pretty much got like a two, three year shelf life. Like, in all honesty, and yeah. I, I don't want to break any hearts for any RTD producers out there, but you know, your brand is going to be forgotten pretty people, soon. People you know, want to. Like, where's wanna Palm s- Bay these days? You know, yeah, for sure. Even even Hay Y'all's on its way down, right? So there's there's all these products that really need to reinvent themselves on a regular basis to stay relevant and and it's tough for them just as it is tough for us but yeah it's just it's so much comes down to marketing for them right it's it's they don't have that consumer facing product either like you can't bring them into a tap room and say here try our new rtd like that doesn't exist yeah they don't have the the feel-good story of like these are the people that make the beer you know there isn't an rtd podcast i don't think Actually, I think Jesse's working on that right now. <laughs> Jesse, did. but even at least Jesse's got a story. Yeah. I still haven't gone out to Provincial Spirits, and he gives no, me some. Really I nice. know, I know. And my friends Phil and Andy opened uh, Tin House. Yep. I was used to call it Tin Shed, but Tin House out, and I got to go visit them too. I don't get out that often because kids, right? Yeah, I'm tired most you. of the time. Um, so, so you think we're in a, a transitionary stage it's, right now? It's you know we're definitely on the downward angle of popularity yeah. with consumers right now, and I think. You know, that's why one of the reasons we're kind of trying to lean our program a bit more towards hitting, RTDs. hitting that RTD market. No, I'm, we're going to be hitting that core market where you know I feel like a lot of consumers are just, you know, tired of spending so much time in a liquor store and they want that go-to product. And we really want to kind of push push some of our brands to be that option right and yeah and i think having having that reliable consistent beer is is where people are reaching for now yeah so i mean that's kind of where we're at with uh with with our program and we still want to be able to create these unique one-off beers on a regular basis because it's what keeps us interested you know like, for sure i couldn't imagine being a chef at a, at a mcdonald's where you're just flipping the same burger every single day like it just sounds terrible or a right? brewer in germany right like, <laughs> yeah. i know peter our original brewer and and i hope you're listening pete um <laughs> and i know you are and uh like he always said it was the it was just like this mind-blowing moment where he's like in germany he's like like you wouldn't make two beers because then another german would be like if you're making why are you making a second beer if that first beer isn't already the best beer right like if that beer is not the best beer in the world 
then you should just work on continuing to perfect that until it is like, don't make a second beer, make that one better. I'm like, that's such a, like, I was like, Oh, that makes a ton of sense, <laughs> ton of sense in a way. I but guess. isn't variety the spice of life? Why? Exactly, right? You know, uh, I don't know, man. Hey, you know what? To be honest, most times I just throw my hands up and they're like, I don't know. I don't know. Just, just like, please just buy it, you know? Um, what is something you didn't think you'd have to deal with uh, now that you've opened a brewery that you just didn't see coming that you're like, oh, shit, I didn't know that we'd have to deal with that. I can see smiles. So hopefully it's something that you've had enough to drink that you'll actually say. <sighs> Honestly, I don't even know. Oh, I really? I can't think of anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's they, every, every single day is a curveball, it seems. So it's mm-hmm. tough to really pinpoint one thing that we didn't really see coming. Yeah. But, I mean. You know what I didn't see coming was how much paperwork it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is an incredible amount of paperwork. It is a lot of paperwork. Like the administrative work that goes on behind the scenes that people never see is yeah. ludicrous. We, have, we finally have, like, an in-house accountant that's three days a week. And, and it's an old friend of mine. And even she's like what's this is insane like you know like i brought her in to um to actually like analyze the business and be like how can we improve and she's just so bogged down in paperwork all the time she's like i i know jordan i gotta I, i've got time for it i'm putting aside some time aside but i gotta do this this and that right and yeah, and yeah. just the reporting alone it's it's <clears throat> bonkers were you guys around when um the government used to take all of your money and then oh, give you a cut back. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> that was insane. I remember when explaining I, that to my bank. Worked, I was like, I didn't factor in that working capital. Like, yeah. That's I could have used another hundred grand <laughs> in cash flow to start. Please. Yeah. Like, that was the most backward system I yeah. think I've ever seen. Like, you know, no, we'll take your money and hold on to it for you and we'll pay you back when we feel like we're yeah. ready. Once we've done the paperwork. Yeah. Once we've done all the paperwork. And I remember, yeah. I remember being at Hopscotch and having uh, too many uh, whiskeys with Adam Crandall and, and oh, I'm going to incriminate Adam actually. Uh, well, not with Adam Crandall, with somebody else that I won't name. And uh, I'll just bleep it. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually do some, some editing work and I'm going to bleep over it and it'll be great. Um, the, uh, and he's like, I just don't pay them for three weeks. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, no one said anything. He's like, so like, you know when you're supposed to pay them? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I just don't. And I wait three weeks until they pay me. And then I pay them. I'm like, and no one said anything to you? He's like, no. And so I started doing that. And um, it greatly improved my cash flow. And um, <laughs> and then eventually no. somebody emailed and was like, uh, we just noticed you're behind on your payments three weeks. I'm like, ah. but then they changed it a little while afterwards. And I was like, oh, okay. But no one seemed to care. Yeah, well, the craziest well, thing to me so was... Much paperwork yeah, because they're so bogged down in paperwork. <laughs> the yeah. craziest part of it all to me was that they were even making us pay for keg deposits. Yeah, the like 30 they were, in and 30 out, yeah. They were taking keg deposit money from us. I'm like, it's not your keg. Yeah. Why do you care about the deposit? And we weren't even charging keg deposits. No, so we, we weren't had, either. We had to spend an extra... It's too much paperwork. 30, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had to spend an extra $30 on every keg we yeah. sold just because they wanted a deposit for yeah. whatever reason. It was mine. I mean, essentially, just a government loan without calling it a government loan, right? There you go. That would have been the play if you go to a, a draft account. Like, we need a kickback. You're like, we won't make you pay the $30 keg deposit. Like yeah, that, right? right. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to think what I, I mean, I, there was so much that I didn't know I'd have to deal with. I think I just didn't know that I have, to, that everything is so expensive. Like we, our oh, forklift just, yeah. uh, the batteries have died in our forklift. And uh, so like, well, we could replace the two cells or you can get a refurbished battery. I'm like, what does a refurbished battery cost in our forklift? They're like, oh, it's $7,000. I'm like, sorry. And they're like, <laughs> my forklift yeah, is 10 like, grand. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. And then I can't remember how much the forklift costs. I know I leased it, uh, leased to own it. And um, I'm like, oh, 
I'm like that's expensive. And they're like, yeah, batteries are expensive, Jordan. I'm like, I guess so. Well, and I so, bought a car battery for 125 dollars. Well, so Why that's what different? Eric said. Our, our brewery is like a car battery doesn't cost that much. And I'm like, are we getting swindled? But then in the meantime, we can't move anything because we don't have a forklift. I could rent one from Dan's, I guess. But um, but the the forklift guy we've dealt with for years, and he's a good dude. So I'm like, okay. Brian did some research. I'm like, yeah, this is like the going rate. A new battery is like 14 grand or something like that. I probably insane. yeah, it's it's it was crazy, right? Now I know why people have propane. Um, uh, based forklifts. Oh, it's electric. Yeah, it's electric. Yeah, yeah, it's electric. So ours is propane, propane, and it has its own problems. Trust me. Does it? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay. This is a loaded question. You don't have to answer, it, but you can. What beers that you've made have been like a colossal mistake? Where you're like, not a colossal <laughs> mistake from like a taste point of view, because I know you guys dump beer when it tastes bad. I'm not trying to get at that, but we were like, oh fuck, we should have done that. Like Rogan Vice would be a good example. But like you're talking new age twin sales, new age twin sales. Like, because, okay. So because if you yeah, want to go a, back the entire first year, was yeah. a bit of a mistake. <laughs> from, the, from a customer, because <laughs> from a customer facing point of view, like I always think like the customer always thinks that everything looks great, right? Like everyone's like, ah, oh, fuck, these guys are killing it or whatever for, for probably most breweries. And they don't realize that there are certain things you're like, oh, fuck, I wish we could get that back or, oh, we shouldn't have launched that at that given time. Actually, there is one, and and I have to wear this stain on my shirt all the time at work. The, the brewers like to bring it up. We tried brewing a batch of beer two summers ago, and it was a triple IPA version of Space Armadillo. Okay. Um, and we might brew it again. I, I, I just have such disdain for it now that I refuse to put it on the <laughs> schedule. But um, we ended up trying this new process where we did a co-pitch with two different yeast strains and Bad idea. there was a, <laughs> there was a bit of a disagreement our head brewer chris uh, had gone on vacation that week and so we had to make a decision and i unfortunately lied on me to make that decision and it was the wrong decision to make and we knew we weren't going to make any money on the beer to begin with but we ended up having to dump it oh yeah and it was a uh, I think $10,000 worth oh, of beer down the drain, shit. just the costs of the beer. Oh, and just the cost just of the, the beer? Yeah. Raw Keep in mind, we're talking about Amarillo and Galaxy. Yeah. This the is the Galaxy most that we had, had to buy on Lupin Exchange. Oh, oh, oh shit. Two expensive <laughs> hops on the market. <laughs> yeah, and it was about $10,000 worth of beer. And that, oh. one, uh, that one plagues me to this day. It's been almost oh. 18 months, or yeah, about 18 months since we brewed it. And yeah, it was a, that was a tough pill to swallow. Huh. That's way better than my glassware decision. I bought, <laughs> I was at, I went to Tourist, and I was like, oh, I love having a beer. I love beer in a stemware glass, right? I like oh, stemware, totally, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, like Taurus has got just the sexiest. They're like these little. They're like wine glasses, right? And and I'm like, this is great. I'm like I'm buying some stemware for Steel and Oak, and so I bought a bunch of stemware. It didn't look quite as sexy as the stuff from Taurus, and but I bought a lot, <laughs> and we still actually I think we're out now. But it was so I didn't like I was just so like inspired, and I'm using air quotes. You can't see me, but like <laughs> I was like, we're getting stemware. We're doing this. You know what, New West? We are getting some high class glassware. And it didn't, they did not sell at all because I did charge so much for them by the time they got in with the design and everything. And, um, how much did you order? I ordered, oh, I can't even, I, you know what? I ordered enough that it's taken three years to sell. (laughs) Oh my. That's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And, and, and in all fairness, I think I've given a lot away, like, you know, as, as prize packs or whatever. And the guys will never, like, upstairs, never let me forget it, right? <laughs> like, anytime we order merchandise, like, you ordering a stemware? I'm like, I think stemware would sell now, but I just need to buy less of it. The problem was the quantity, right? The funny is our stemware actually sells pretty well, but we don't, we order in small quantities. Like, yeah. it's the same kind of thing with, like, our beers. We want to 
you know, put out more glass or yeah, lesser volumes, right? Yeah, and charge charge appropriately for it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I bought a pallet, to be honest with you. That's um, a yeah, lot. it was terrible. It was a terrible decision. <laughs> yeah. um, if you, outside of just taking the first year off, because you've already said that, what would you do do differently if you started the brewery today? Um, one of the big things for me is I would I would have loved to be able to have a. Uh, kitchen in our, in our brewery. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think the the I tell anybody that's opening a brewery these days that asks us questions. I'm like, dude, do a brew pub. Yeah, keep it in house. You know, you know, like liquor sales are tough. Like doing yeah. doing sales to retail stores is very difficult. Doing sales to to pub accounts is is tough as well. And if you have a model where you can keep as much of your volume in your house, you're you're laughing. You know, yeah. you're employing less people. You're less headaches. Like it's it's. Uh, Something we wish we could have done. I mean, I see what, what the guys at Backcountry have done and what's happened with P49's tasting room now that they have the kitchen it's, in there. And it's like, funny you bring up Backcountry because I was talking to Mark and he told me the numbers that they do food-wise through that place. And it's 50 occupancy, just like Steel and Oak. And I was just like, I called Jamie as soon as I left. I'm like, we're doing it wrong. We've done it wrong. <laughs> we need to get rid of one of those 100 hectoliter tanks and we need to put a kitchen in. I mean, shameless promotion here, but... Uh, we just opened. I was going to ask truck. you about the food truck. Food yeah, truck the pizza on. truck, right? Yeah. yeah. So we got a full-time pizza truck out front of Twin Cities nice. now, which is I'm super excited about. It's uh, we had it kind of trialing uh, at the anniversary party on Saturday Sweet. last week, and and uh, yeah, I mean the pizza was great. We we're happy with it. So uh, it's called just, Mama Set, right? Yeah, Mama Set. Great name. I like that actually. Wow. It was actually going to be one of our beer names, but uh, we ended up <laughs> stealing yeah. it for the food truck. It's a good pizza. It's a good pizza food truck name. I think. Yeah. yeah. So the funny thing was, and and again, I love these guys, the Brian Satterford and the crew over at Juke. Funny enough, called me like, I don't know, probably a month and a half ago. And uh, they're like, hey, uh, I got your number from Doug Steven from DL Chicken Shack. Yeah. And, and uh, I just wanted to give you a shout and just check in. Like, uh, I saw you guys have a, a pizza truck called Mama Said. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, maybe they want to book our truck yeah. for whatever reason. And no, it turns out they actually wanted to call their new restaurant, oh, Mama Said. Oh, shit. Which is, well, honestly, they end up calling it Beatbox, which I think is even a better name. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a vegetarian restaurant, and it's Beat oh, as in B-E-T. Oh, that's, I think yeah, it that's turned funny. out great. Great name, and, and they're, they're killing it over there, too. So, But I was just like, what an obscure, random name yeah. to call a truck. And I get a call from somebody else that was like, oh, yeah, we wanted to call our restaurant Mama Said, which is pretty funny. So I'm going to call you in six months because we've always talked about doing a food truck here so in new west we have weird licensing where um and we actually got this in play um where like the streets weren't actually licensed for food trucks in new westminster and so we would bring food trucks in park them in front of the brewery and the city was always like just kind of chill with it right but then they're like you know what we need to make sure that they have you know proper fire regulations and, and health regulations for the city so we need to register them which means we need to make it like a thing so they've actually um, there are only seven spots in New Westminster where you can actually park a food truck. And they're all in high traffic areas, and the seventh one is right out front of our door. So um, it's always been something that's been in mine and Jamie's, um, like we've always been talking about it, like, well, we just need to do our own food truck, and we just need to park it out front and just have it there every day. And that's what we need to do. So it's just trying, you know, you talk about these things and like having refocus on like, like the, the retail side of the business. And because wholesale is a challenge always, it's like, oh, well, we just need to invest some money and just do this. Right. Yeah. You know? And so I'm going to ask you how it went with, especially with staffing and everything. Cause that's what I'm really curious about. It's like the staffing I would assume is going to be the challenge. Big time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. making pizzas and hard, it's, it's keeping the truck truck yeah. operating. Right. So, 
Yeah, I mean, we're we're just looking forward to being like we love all the food trucks that we work with right now. Like they're all great people, all great food, and we love the concepts that they're doing. But it was just the inconsistency of well, not, yeah. like people coming down and being like not knowing if food was going to be there, yeah. and that was the toughest part because you know we, some of our biggest lulls is that lunchtime or that dinner time, right? Yeah. People leave to go get yeah. food somewhere else, right? So so we're trying to kind of fill those gaps in, in yeah. our tasting room sales, and plus, I mean, beer and pizza. Yeah, I know. It's pizza and beer. Like it's the best, no. probably the best combo ever made. So yeah, and I and I mean, I, and I you know, and I always obviously, I'm sure the food trucks appreciate you. You know that they're you know you're not like they're still gonna have business from Yellow Dog and all those guys. Like I don't think they're totally worried about it. But like it's the consistency is the is the thing. Like we we try and book food trucks here on Friday and Saturday. To be brutally honest, a lot of times they just cancel on the last minute, right? Yeah, and and, they, and yeah. so people don't know. And and I think too, if you're listening to this and you're gonna open a brewery. Consistency is key in absolutely everything you do on the front end of your business. Like, I always get phone calls be like, hey, can we rent out Steel and Oak? Like, can you guys close, close down for a night and, like, we'll pay you? And I'm like, and even if they'll pay me more than what I'd make that night, I always say no because the last thing I want is someone coming down and being like, oh, maybe Steel and Oak isn't, like, available every Friday or Saturday, right? Now, if it was a Monday night, it'd be a different story. But, like, I don't know. Like, I, I just am a big believer in consistency of hours consistency of of we're the same way yeah we we turned down a lot of 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 rezos like buyouts yeah you know there's things that these are things that when i was running a restaurant we were always looking for buyouts you know because it makes your life a lot easier but but with with the brewery same thing like we want to make sure that people know that they can come down pretty much any day outside of our our few staff parties here same with us yeah um come down every day and 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 grab a, a pint or a growler or some cans or whatever it is right so yeah no, consistency is key. And I think, especially with the food, it's going to, I think it'll make a big difference. So it's definitely something that we need to look at. Um, before we end it, uh, if you had any advice for somebody that was looking to open a brewery uh, or might be in the process right now, what would it be? Kitchen. Kitchen. <laughs> Put a kitchen in. Hire, hire a wicked chef. I mean, if anybody goes and looks at what the guys at Fieldhouse are doing right now, yeah, they are absolutely killing it. And a lot of it has to do with this kitchen that they put into the restaurant, and they're making amazing food, and their products are great. And, and they've been able to, fortunately for them, keep a lot of their products in-house. You yeah. know, their, their tasting yeah. room is, I think, outside of Brewers Row, probably one of the busier tasting rooms in the province. Yeah, they got that beautiful field. Yeah, they've right. essentially become a hub in Abbotsford. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's crazy. They're yeah. the spot to go, yeah. I think uh, that's a big thing. It's tough because Vancouver doesn't really allow it. So if you're trying to open a brewery in Vancouver, yeah. it's there's so many hoops to jump through in order to get that kitchen in there. But you know, if if you can put the time and effort into getting it done, it's it's going to help your brewery big time. And and I think a lot of people are looking for that now. Is like they want to go to brewery, but they want options. You know, yeah. they their their wife doesn't always like beer, so have some wine on tap. Their wife doesn't always like beer, so have some cider on tap. Whatever it is, there's or or the guy doesn't like. You know, I was going to correct you, but you did it yourself. Yeah. Nice <laughs> job. You got to be aware. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a matter of, of people just all, don't always like beer. So yeah. they want to be able to t- uh, come along or tag along with the, with the crew and having options out there is, is big. And like, fortunately the, the province has been kind enough to, to relax the rules a little bit to allow us to do that yeah. and uh, offer other products. And you know, we're, we're working on launching a bit of a cocktail program at Twin Sales right now too, to uh, again, allow just like, you know, if you're done drinking beer on the road for the night and you want to have a, a Negroni or, uh, you know, it's all going to be very light alcohol stuff. Like we're doing some Americanos and some Amaros right. and stuff like that. Just, just a couple of lighter, lighter, you know, spirit based drinks just to round out the experience, round out the experience, yeah. chill your palate a little bit. Right. So, 
you know, a lot of people are full after four or five beers. So if you yeah. do the row, by the time you get down to Twin Sales, you know, you know have something else. Whatever yeah. it is, a little digestive or whatever it is. For sure. What would you say? Uh, know your brand. I mean, it's not just about making beer anymore. I think when, when you guys opened and yeah. we opened, it, it was good enough just to have good beer and you can sell it. Yeah. If you're getting into the market now and you haven't thought a thorough marketing strategy and brand strategy of how you're going to get to market and how you're going to differentiate yourself, you're going to have a very hard time. You know, I yeah. think House of Funk's a good example of someone who thought about that before they went to market, yeah. who's open in the last year. So that's kind of somewhere you can look uh, if you're looking at opening a brewery as, as some inspiration. But yeah. yeah, I think the market's gotten a lot more competitive, a lot more tough. Uh, and if you can't stand out in this market, you're going to have a very difficult time finding shelf space. Yeah, everybody that I have in the program, when I asked that question, they was like, oh, just stay away from wholesale. Right, like yeah. it, it's it's the it's it's the toughest part. It's all the headaches on the margins and the margins. So <laughs> yeah, they're not good. Um, you know, and and I mean, I I think there is probably some hidden, um, you know, other benefits that you know people try your beer at a liquor store or at a restaurant. Like, you know what? I should go to Steel and Elk, or I should go to Twin Sales and check it out there and and buy some swag. And I'm into it, right? And and I think it does help build loyalty. Um, but yeah, it's a fucking grind, right? I, mean, I think it always will be, right? So. Right on. Well, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks to Cody and Clay from Twin Sales uh, for being on Beer Life with Jordan Foss. Yeah.